the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Let's talk financial planning with CFP Chad Burton. He's a regional director and certified financial planner. Used to be with New Focus Financial now with EP Wealth, as am I. You can schedule an appointment with Chad by going to www.chadburton.com. We have an upcoming seminar, May 25th at the Palo Alto Elks Lodge. It's a retirement income and tax planning. It's for people with $500,000 or more. It's really for, I think, people 50 to 70 in that range um, with a little bit of wiggle room on both sides of that as we're heading to retirement or living in retirement. Chad, I haven't had you on in a while, so we've moved into a much higher interest rate environment. Let's talk about things that you're optimistic about and things that you're concerned about right now, because the tone's different. The environment's different. Are the rules different? Uh, I don't think the rules are different. I mean, okay. you know, let's stick with what works, right? But I think that there's a couple of things that everybody's concerned about. If we look out into the future over the next couple of years, everybody's talking about all of the the debt on commercial real estate, right? In the next two years, there's a lot of uh, office properties that right. aren't as full up as they used to be. And there's a lot of loans that are coming due that need to be refinanced. It's not usually the things that everybody's talking about that causes kind of the sharper out of the blue corrections, right? Um, so I, I think that this is such a known issue that we'll get through it. I think the Fed going too far with interest rate increases is the concern that everybody has, but that's a smart group of people. I mean, let's be honest. Um, I think Jerome Powell's getting some, uh, you know, some rough feedback these days. However, if we look back to how he handled and helped prop up and and save the bond market during COVID, uh, it's a smart group of people, and they're looking at way more data than what you know you and I are reporting or what's on Bloomberg or CNBC. That's right. Um, I think the banking issue was handled actually really, really well. While you have a couple of these banks that were horribly managed, like Silicon Valley Bank, um, the way that not only the Fed stepped in, but also other banks like J.P. Morgan, Bank of America. That's how it's supposed to work. There's there's tight regulations in terms of what allows them to be a bank, and they didn't follow them. And you know, people were protected. And there's now, Rob, there's so many you know good ways for people that do have a lot of cash to get higher than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of FDIC insurance. So I've done you know an entire podcast on that. Uh, I do get a lot of questions on is my money safe? Should I? divide my money into 10 banks. Should I, and I'm like, that's a good problem to have. Um, but I, I guess you're getting emails on that as well, but you have one on podcast podcast is available at uh, new focus on wealth at all your available podcast areas, Spotify and iTunes. Go ahead. And, and especially in California, it's a good reason why most people that have taxable accounts need a living trust. And when you have a living trust with spouses and kids named in it, you can actually get higher FDIC insurance. And then if you work with a good, you know, fee only fiduciary based certified financial planner, a lot of times they'll have access to 
these types of accounts where you can put one deposit in, be spread out among many, many banks and have a much higher level of FDIC insurance. So that's that are op- those are options out there as well. Um, we're starting to see inflation come down a lot, right? And companies are really good at passing on costs. So it's sometimes it's hard to stay optimistic when you're going through a recession or a mild recession or whatever this will end up being, you know, a year down the road when we look backwards. And so while times can get somewhat hard for a family of four, or when you're seeing your friends get laid off, you got to remember that investments can still grow because you have to kind of separate what's going on there versus what are companies doing for passing on costs, keeping their margins, you know, at a certain level and maintaining earnings per share in the long run. Um, so we'll see what companies are good at managing through this. And what's, what's also really good, Rob, is cash is earning money again. I mean, we went from essentially 2007 to last year where people were earning close to zero on their cash. And now you should be earning over 4% on your cash and you can get, you know, six to 24 month T-bills, T-notes, um, above four. And well, nor- mortgage rates, you know, they're not 2.75% anymore, right? But they're still under seven. And I remember being excited about my first mortgage. It was close to 8% because <laughs> rates had just come back down after the uh, early 90s. Um, <laughs> so so there's a huge, there, even though housing and real estate, all that's kind of slowed down right now, there is still a big pent-up demand for homes. And mortgage rates historically are fairly normal. And I think the other thing that's pretty attractive, Rob, is that dollars come back down. At the same time, overseas investments are still very fundamentally attractive in terms of price earnings ratio, price to book, things like that. The only thing that's stopping us from moving a heck of a lot more overseas is the obviously Russia and Ukraine. But um, you know, there's still a lot of things to be very positive about. And we do go through peaks and valleys in the market. You look out 20, 30 years, S&P 500 tends to be positive 70 to 74% of the time with great returns. So, you know, keep, keep, it's a good time to rebalance, but uh, it's not a good time to put your head in the sand or anything like that. It's interesting to note that, um, like you said, seventy-four percent of the time the market does pretty well, uh, or the board might be well. And we're having a very good year this year, and yet we still are so close to last year that we have a little bit of gun shyness. Um, you said something that was pretty interesting to me. You were you talked about mortgage rates are at seven percent. You're happy with that, but what about Generation Z and and the millennials who are the home buyers? Not necessarily you anymore, Chad. Although you're still probably buying homes, but the average person, 40 plus, might be settled in. Do you think things are normalized to them? Because they're the the future of our economy, the young and No, then that's the tough spot, right? Because they were just looking at a half a million dollar house, but now with the change in mortgage rates, they can only afford a $350,000 house. That's That's the difference. And I don't think in most areas that you've seen the housing prices come down enough to offset that because inflation is pushing it the other direction. So, um, you know, that's why apartments are still fairly full, but the demand is there. It's just, you know, they got to save a little bit higher down payment, um, you know, rate, wait for costs to get a little bit more under control. The supply chain issue, I think, is doing a lot better than what people thought it was, but it still has some time to come back. Um, so it'll just take some time, but the demand for housing is absolutely there. So one of the things you also mentioned was the dollar doing 
holding up all things considered and it's had its play from weakness to strength to weakness um it always seems to be that in my mind uh, do you see the dollar is ever being decoupled because i know there's a lot of stories about that these days and i think the financial planning community probably has a different view than say cnbc or uh, financial media any thoughts on the dollar um, well, I think that having a slightly weaker dollar is good for global trade, right? I mean, I think it's it's well over 50% of the revenue of S&P 500 companies now, I believe, is coming from overseas. So when the dollar is really, really high, it makes our goods and services more expensive. And so as it comes down a little bit, that's actually a good thing. Um, and then if you want to if you think the dollar's coming down a little bit, what a great time to use your dollars, go buy some foreign currency so that, that you can buy the stock. If you think that their markets are undervalued, then their stocks go up as our dollar comes back down. And, and it's, it's an even better relationship, right? As you, as you pull the money back into the U S. So we go through these ebbs and flows. Um, is the dollar always going to be King? I mean, who knows? You've got, you know, China's economy still growing fast and in a, in a global powerhouse. Um, a lot of that, Oh, the dollar is going to not be the world's currency. A lot of that has to do with clickbait and, um, you know, people trying to get pushed into crypto and some other issues. So uh, if we look at our, our national jet to DB, jet, debt to GDP ratio, I think we're a long ways away from that issue. Join Rob Black in Sunnyvale, Saturday, January 20th for Pints and Portfolios, a less formal event at a local watering hole for those close to retirement with 500000 or more in investable assets. Drop by January 20th from 11.30 a.m. till 2 for a little sunshine and a complimentary portfolio review or financial snapshot from Ryan Ignacio, CFP from EP Wealth Advisors. Whether you're on the road to retirement or already there, this financial snapshot can provide you with a second opinion analysis of where you are and highlight areas for improvement and opportunities for growth. Go to robblackshow.com and click the events tab. Find pints and portfolios and click to register. You'll answer a few simple questions about your situation and your confirmation email will provide all the details on the event and how to schedule your portfolio review. Space is limited and registration is required. So go to robblackshow.com today. That's robblackshow.com. Reviewing your portfolio and getting updates and and rethinking things, it's an important part of the long-term successful investor, the long-term successful financial plan. You just don't get locked in. And if you do, you're going to get overweighted or you're going to make mistakes. or You're going to miss something. It's always a good chance to uh, bring on CFP Chad Burton to talk about current market conditions, to talk about current financial planning and thoughts and ideas, higher interest rate environment, higher inflation environment than typical years. There's things to consider. There's there's a lot to digest. You can meet Chad May 25th. That's right. An event coming up. Retirement income and tax planning. You can sign up at chadburton.com. It's chadburton.com. We ask that if you've been to two or three of these in the last five years, please save the space for other people because they fill up and um, just sign up at Rob Black Show or chadburton.com. Chad, you're a regional director and CFP at EP Wealth. What I just talked about is staying in touch with like your current conditions every now and then checking back in, checking in with a CFP. It's something CFPs regularly do for clients, but it's also something clients should regularly do with CFPs. Like the, the stock market is very, very different than previous stock markets. Um, higher interest rates make it a different playing field, in my opinion. Maybe like a football field that goes from snow to grass. It's just a different condition. Uh, what are your thoughts on the current stock market scenarios that are playing out in front of us? 
Well, yeah. I mean, if we're talking about larger portfolios, you know, people <laughs> ready for retirement. <clears throat> so, um, you know, what else can be done as you make sure you're rebalancing and setting up from going from the accumulation phase to the decumulation phase? Um, laddering bond portfolios is something that I've been doing quite a bit that I took the old, oh, no. the old laddering bond old portfolios. Ladder. Took a long break from that as interest rates just went from, you know, prior to 2007 credit crisis, I think it was around four, seven, five on the 10 year treasury to, you know, under one for many, many years. Um, laddering a bond portfolio is really nice, both in, you know, retirement accounts where you're doing high credit quality corporate bonds, where you're buying those at a discount and getting, you know, yields north of 5%. Um, and even in for taxable accounts where you're looking at either California tax-free bonds or national, you know, federally tax-free bonds. What's nice about that is that if for some reason inflation comes back into play and interest rates go back up, you own the individual bonds. So what the value is doing on paper doesn't really matter because you're going to hold them to maturity and get your money back. And so when you run a financial plan at a very detailed cash flow model, you can clearly see here's the interest and dividends that you have from your portfolio, but this is also a bond that's coming due every year. So you take a you know a, let's say a million dollars and you have a tenth of that coming due every year in your taxable account. Um, so you've got a certain amount of money that is coming due every year that you can either use to spend it or buy more longer term bonds if you don't need to spend it, or if the market has declined and you need to add to stocks, you can use that money to rebalance your portfolio and add to stocks. So the 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 ability to get some of these higher rates locked in. Um, but also have very dependable cash flow is really, really nice when it comes to portfolios these days. Interesting that I brought up the, do you remember the old um, bond ladders? Because 25 years ago, when you and I first started doing that, and this is a, it just, it, it's again, that's why you continue to check back in. That was marketing for me, Chad. I can go on air and I can say, hey, have you done a bond ladder? That's really simply explained as you get three years of bonds, one year, two year, and three year. And then when your third year bond comes up, you buy another one year bond or through the years. And that was good. Um, I just bring that up because I, I do at this for a long time. And some things, uh, I guess, history does repeat itself, does it not? It does. I mean, and so the cash flow planning becomes so important in retirement because, you know, when you're when you're saving for retirement. Yes. You're every two weeks, you're feeding your 401k. Right. And you you buy on the dips whenever you can. If you get a nice correction, you buy on the dips. When you're pulling money out of the portfolio, you have to protect yourself from having to sell on the dips and you're going to be just fine. So by having the proper amount of cash on the sidelines, but also looking out several years, let's say you're you know, 68, and you know that age 73, you're going to have to start taking money out of your IRAs, even if you don't want to. It's the required minimum distribution age is 73 now. And so if your cash flow model shows that you clearly will need to spend that money to live, then have a way that you can secure that income. And, and what a good way to, you know, start laddering a bond portfolio so that you know you've got certain number of bonds coming due at 73, certain number of bonds coming due at 74. Every time you need to withdraw that money, you have dependable source of income. It's really attractive. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up because I'm post 50 and mm -hmm. in, in 25 years, the bond ladders finally come back in style. 
I don't really want to be doing this chat when I'm 75. I don't want my spouse coming up to me and going, what do we do for income? And I give it the same exact <laughs> voice. I don't know. I, it, it's it's the same as it was 25 years ago. Like, it's something you have to revisit. And longevity actually is something that I'm starting to fear, Chad, because I don't want to stay on top of this till I'm 80, 90 um, years old. At some point in time, I just want to be an old fart that sits on the couch. <laughs> well, and the funny thing is that if you do have a lot of money, you can t- continue to afford to eat healthier foods that aren't processed and, you know, all that kind of stuff. You, you'll, you'll probably live longer than an average person. So even though the the average life expectancy has kind of come down, I think, for the first time in a while last year, if those that do have money do continue to eat healthy and concentrate on exercise and things like that, you tend to live longer. So making sure that if you're a married couple having at least one of you live to age 100 in your cash flow projections, you, you, you've got to do that. You, then you've also got to model in, you know, something like a nursing home stay. Somebody goes into a nursing home for or memory care for five years at age 75. You know, how does the portfolio look for the other person? And how would you cash flow that? My father didn't have the best financial plan. His financial plan was buy a lot of life insurance on my mom and, uh, die <laughs> he died first she was the one that needed long-term care he thought he was going to be the one that needed the long-term care how often do you see that happen jad where people uh, have made just horribly wrong assumptions like my father um i mean i, I guess probably less when than I, average. early in my career i saw that a heck of a lot more right because I, okay. I started working with my grandfather at 19 years old and he he left you know at he left uh, what a bank that became Washington Mutual eventually because of the savings and loan crisis issues was kind of come, coming to an end. And and so those neighborhood banking clients, that's what I spent a whole lot of time in my early career um, dealing with. You know, he was 62. So all his clients were older and it was a constant phone call of my my husband or my wife went into a nursing home. How in the heck am I going to pay for this? Uh, I can't afford it. What do I do? Um, and so dealing with that type of planning was, uh, a constant and early in my career. We got about 45 seconds. Anything you want to add to the segment or wrap up the segment with? Um, no, I think that, you know, talking about the new age for required minimum distributions at age 73, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, more flexibility is always a good thing, but it can create a tax trap that I think we should talk about. And it also could affect when some people might take their social security. Don't want to work forever. Check out the retirement planning guide on robblack.com. That's robblack.com powered by EP wealth, regional director and certified financial planner, EP wealth, Chad Burton is joining us. We were talking a little bit about the concept of the new retirement distribution uh, requirement, uh, required minimum distribution, RMD. It's the new timing of it is now 73. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because I'm starting to think, you know, if the average male lives to 76, like that's maybe putting it off a little bit too long for me, because I'm going to be the average person. I'm not going to be above average or below average. Yeah. I mean, it, it's the issue there is that anything that allows more flexibility in a financial plan is, is good, right? When okay. we're trying to make financial planning decisions often, you know, there could be two or three right answers, what answer feels best for that person or that couple? And, you know, what gives us the most flexibility if things change in a few years when you're making decisions? Um, so it's good in a sense, but I think that a lot of people blindly put off their their distributions from retirement accounts without having a good financial advisor that's 
that you know does a good long-term cash flow projection and and tax model so that they can even clearly see how much they're leaving their kids because it's much better to leave your kids stocks or real estate outside of a retirement account to get a step up in basis and then they could turn around and sell it tax-free versus an IRA that under the new law they'll have to distribute over a 10-year period. Um, they can't stretch it out over their lifetime. So one of the things you need to do is do a long-term cash flow projection and say, okay, how much money am I going to have left at age 95? Right. Um, and now there's, I would say most Americans are underprepared for retirement. Um, you know, we, we, we tend to work with obviously people with our account minimums, things like that, that are prepared for retirement or have just enough to retire. So the first thing is running that, cash flow projection that says, okay, let's just assume we do put off required minimum distributions from IRAs and 401ks sure. to age 73 and, and run the model out over the long term. Are we just getting enough money for these people to retire or um, are they leaving a decent amount of assets to their kids? And so if it's a situation where they are leaving a decent amount of assets to their kids, then starting at retirement through age 73, we're, we're typically going to focus on IRA to Roth conversions, where you pull a little bit of money out of your IRA, move it to your Roth, pay the taxes at the current rate. So we do very careful tax calculations to say, how do we, how do we maximize the current bracket that they're already going to be in and that they're going to be in for the foreseeable future? And so maybe there's twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 left at the 22% tax bracket so we go ahead and move money from the IRA to the Roth, assuming they have money outside of the IRA to pay the taxes so that they start building up a tax-free pile of money that they can use later in life or for their children. Um, but, you know, so for most, for a lot of people, though, that, that's a really good idea if they have enough or even extra to go into retirement. But the lack of education out there causes most people that, don't work with a, a good financial planner to put off taking that money out at all or doing the IRA to Roth conversion. And then they just kind of create a ticking tax time bomb after age 73. But Rob, it's not always the best, right? So if you go back to the situation where, um, you know, somebody doesn't have quite enough to retire, their plan looks like they're running kind of thin later in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if something goes wrong, they may have to tap the equity in their home or sell their home eventually, especially if there's some kind of a care situation. Now, in those cases, um, not only did it, what it might make sense to put off taking money out of IRAs till you're 73, but also sometimes it's better to take social security at a normal retirement age. Cause you and I are always talking about why it makes sense for most people to put off social security till age 70. Yeah. Because from your full retirement age, depending on your year of birth, is 65 to 67 years old. But if you wait till age 70, and there's never a reason to wait beyond that, but if you wait until age 70, your benefit goes way up. It's like an 8% rate of return on your money if you live into your mid-80s or beyond. Mm-hmm. But in some cases, if people don't have that much money, they have just barely enough to retire or you know they're running thin later in life, Sometimes it even makes sense to take Social Security early because if they're not taking money out of their IRAs now until age 73, they're getting tax-free income from their full retirement age all the way to age 73 now, right? Whereas before, they used to have to take money out of their IRAs at 70 and a half. So now we have to recalculate not only the Social Security, but also how that works with required minimum distributions and taxation. Social Security is kind of crazy route because it's, it's tax-free unless your 
provisional income, which is half your social security plus all of your other income is over for a married couple, let's say $42,000, I believe it is. Um, and then it becomes 85% taxable. So there, <laughs> retirement can be very confusing. There's so many crazy tax laws and brackets, how it works with Medicare part B and everything else. And that's why I love it. Cause everybody is slightly different, but can I tell you real quick, I'm so freaked out by your conversation here. I'm going to have to listen to this segment again. And that's a compliment to you because 25 years ago, I thought a CFP was something rich people would have or wealthy people. And my, my, as I'm getting closer and as I'm using a CFP, it's pretty complicated stuff. Waiting till you're 73 or taking it at 70 and taking social security now makes sense earlier versus later for some people. But like you said, every scenario is different. And that's why you work with a CFP. That's my big compliment to you this hour. No, thank you. And well, I think that the thing is, is that a CFP can be one thing, but you've got to make sure that it's a fee only certified financial planner practitioner that um, is a fiduciary. And that means they have to put your interest first because there's still CFPs out there that are insurance agents, annuity salesmen. And we all need our insurance agents, right? Right. But you'll get none of this information from somebody that makes a commission. If you roll your 401k over, I have seen in the last two years, way too many situations of somebody telling a person, yeah, you are okay to retire. Let's go ahead and roll your 401k over to this annuity product. And with these smoke and mirrors guaranteed lifetime income, because they needed to make a commission. And I've seen people retire too early from that. Um, and that's why, you know, SEC, Department of Labor, everybody else is trying to pass laws against people, you know, getting talked into rolling their 401ks over into annuities. So let's talk about annuities right now, because, again, 25 years ago, when I first met you and we started working together, I was impressed with your credential. I never heard what a CFP was 30 years ago. So it's been a learning curve for me. But annuities were big in financial media. Um, now Schwab is saying it's time to consider one again. A financial advisor can help you decide at Schwab, they say, blah, 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 sales pitch. But an income annuity, also known as a single premium immediate annuity, is an insurance product. It delivers guaranteed income, often as long as you live. Um, and they're basically looking at some of the data paying between 65 and 7%. Is that right? And is that something people should consider talking with their CFP about? Well, you can always consider talking about it, but it's not a 6.5% rate of return. Usually, like, for example, if you put in a hundred thousand, maybe it's 6,500 for the rest of your life, but a majority of that is return of principal. So it's the payout mode. Um, we're still, even though rates are higher, we're still under 4% on the 10 year treasury. So when you want to mm-hmm. consider lifetime annuity income streams, which I really don't like, you know, giving my lump sum of money to an insurance company and hoping I live long enough to get it paid back or my spouse does. I just don't, That's well said. not a fan. Um, you can do just as well or better on your own. So we still don't have rates high enough, in my opinion, to give a lump sum to an insurance company and give up the access to that lump sum exchange for a payout for life. I don't think that's the right thing to do. Um, and again, you know, I spent early part of my career in that side of the business in annuities. And so it caused me to become a fee only certified financial planner because there's too much stuff in that industry that was just not right. Um, are there some decent no load or um, commission free annuities out there? Absolutely. And they're, they're used when you need to have certain amount of money available to spend at a certain date. So there's some time for people that are 60 to 65 years old, a decent safe money option when you know you're going to go into it for 
five years and then you can get your money back and you can get, you know, slightly better than a 10 year treasury. What I would prefer to do right now for somebody that's looking for that stable income and that dependable income is like I was talking about earlier in the show where you carve out some money from an IRA and you buy individual corporate bonds in a ladder situation where every year for the next five years, you've got one, you know, 20% of your money coming due. And because that, that kind of area on the, the bond curve, Rob, right now is that one to five year corporate bonds that are trading at a discount, giving really good yields mm-hmm. is tending to beat any annuity that I see out there. And most of the time, these annuities that say you can invest in the stock market and, um, you know, no matter what, you'll have guaranteed lifetime income. Well, that's great, but there's huge fees in there, two and a half to three and a half percent. That's huge. And so while it can be okay for some people as a bond alternative, it is not a good alternative for your stock market money. It just ends up charging a ton of fees that will cost either your spouse or your kids a bunch of money in the end. So I still stick with 99% of annuities are garbage. This interview featured on The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more at robblack.com. EP Wealth, CFP, Chad Burton, Regional Director. Do I just transition your portfolio at me? So you transition your portfolio really should start with an eye for 10 years away from your retirement. Okay. You go from, you know, honestly, I don't, I think that having, even when you're younger, you know, five or 10% exposure to some bonds is okay. Cause that way, if the market drops, you have something that you could sell to buy more stocks at a, at a bargain discount. Um, but I don't care how somebody, if they're fairly aggressive throughout their retirement until they hit 10 years from retirement, then they have to have this, this thing in their head that they says, okay, by the time I retire in 10 years, how am I going to get to a portfolio where I have not expenses, but two to three years worth of portfolio draws in safe money. And then the rest of my portfolio is fairly balanced, whether it's like, you know, something like 50% growth, uh, 40% bond, 10% alternatives kind of a scenario. And and that, that takes a transition. It's a much easier way to transition to that portfolio over time and start adding to the asset classes that you're missing versus hey, I'm 64 years old. I better sell a bunch of stocks, buy a bunch of bonds and, and create some cash. Well, what if when you're 64 years old and you're getting ready to retire to do that, both the stock and bond market is down and you're selling to do all this stuff. Um, so it, it's all about the sequence of returns and the order of stock market returns and how that affects your results. So the order of stock market returns, um, and we say the markets are up seven out of 10 years. Is that part of what we need to get right when we do our jump into retirement? Or should it be more of a a walk into retirement versus a jump? It should be a walk into retirement, especially over, you know, maybe a a speed walking race between five years of retirement. Moving moving your hips really funny, but you're getting to that. A point where you're getting there. Is that still an Olympic sport? I don't know, but it just kind of the, the old visuals just popped into my mind. As I said that those are always really funny to watch. Entertaining for sure. What else do we need to know? Um, like bonds are doing well this year. Is now the year to lock in everything that we can lock in? Because I am hearing some chatter about people trying to say, you know, this is it. This is my time to be safe for a long period of time. Well, I mean, right now we've got bonds that have, maturities of two years or less 
you know, four to 4.8%. And the reason why you don't want to lock all of your money there is because in two years, if interest rates are a lot lower because the feds had to turn around and fight a recession, you have a huge amount of reinvestment risk, right? You, if you would have locked in some of your money at the longer end of the curve. And when I say that, instead of just one to two year bonds, you bought some, you know, 10 year bonds and maybe the rates a little lower, but when the Fed reduces rates to fight an inflation, the face value of those bonds go up and you can have a larger total return. So you still need to go for that total return play. It's not all of your money in short-term bonds right now. I think that would be a mistake. It's a very diversified bond portfolio. And for those people that have over a million dollars invested, carving some of that out to buy individual bonds is key. Just like I think for larger portfolios above $2 million, having alternative investments, whether it's direct lending, real estate, um, you know, Private equity and those things is also important. The idea of sequence of returns, Rob, is, is 2022 is a perfect example where stocks and bonds can go down together. So the first step in fighting sequence of returns is a very detailed cash flow model that says, these are all my spe- expenses. This is my income from Social Security and pensions, my income from dividends and interest. How much principal do I need to draw every year out of my portfolio to survive And I want two to three years worth of that in safe, safe money so that I can fight a year like 2022 when stocks and bonds are down at the same time. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, if you draw when they're both down, the math can really work against you for the next couple of decades. We've got some nice downloadables at chadburton.com and people can go to chadburton.com and find your podcast as well as sign up for the event on May 25th. Um, one of the events that you have on there, and I'm interesting to see how this is aging, preparing for the Biden administration market outlook webinar. You ever think about going back and re-listening to that to see how it's good? It, in some ways, it is, you know, clairvoyancy. It is, you know, using your ESPN to figure out the future. And I know it's not ESPN, it's ESP. Um, I don't know if I did that one. It might be a link to something that uh, Adam Phillips, our portfolio strategist, did back then. That's funny that that's still up. Yeah, that, that would be kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, it was Adam Phillips. You're right. So um, he's someone I talked to, and you can find me and him talking to each other on YouTube channel, Rob Black Show. But there's also an article on investing in women thriving in times of change. And we just went through Women's uh, Month, and now we're in Financial Literacy Month, and the different months continue to roll on in our lives. But we all retire and we all die. So any final thoughts in this segment? If you have a, 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 especially a daughter that's going to college, have them look at personal financial planning degree programs. Um, not, not a ton have them, but when they do, the higher rate is very high. The opportunities are extremely high. And there's a, a big push, especially at EP Wealth, for advocacy and, and getting women into our business. So huge opportunities there. Something I've always wanted. And uh, we are seeing a lot more of it. And EP has a, a huge bench of talent. And uh, more often than not, I get women... CFPs on the show, and I, I dig it because it's a different resource. Join Rob Black in Sunnyvale, Saturday, January 20th, for Pints and Portfolios, a less formal event at a local watering hole for those close to retirement with 500000 or more in investable assets. Drop by January 20th from 11.30 a.m. till 2 for a little sunshine and a complimentary portfolio review or financial snapshot from Ryan Ignacio, CFP from EP Wealth Advisors. Whether you're on the road to retirement or already there, this financial snapshot can provide you with a second opinion analysis of where you are and highlight areas for improvement and opportunities for growth. Go to robblackshow.com and click the events tab. Find Pints and Portfolios and click to register. 
You'll answer a few simple questions about your situation, and your confirmation email will provide all the details on the event and how to schedule your portfolio review. Space is limited, and registration is required, so go to robblackshow.com today. That's robblackshow.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 